Hi, I'm Rachel Stewart for WDAV's Piedmont Arts. On February 26th, the Sphere Series will host a panel discussion called Angels to Anathema, What Do We Do When Beloved Artists Behave Badly? A topic that is timely. My guests today are the co-founders of the Sphere Series. They are Neely Verano, co-founder of LACA Projects, uh, Jennifer Sedul Edwards, who's chief curator at the Mint Museum, and Hilary Burt, who's professor of art, history, and arts leadership and administration at Queen's University and director at Soco Gallery. Thank you all for coming all the way to Davidson to talk Thank to you, us Rachel. today. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having us. So why don't we just start out with explaining what the Sphere series is for people who are not familiar. So we are in our fourth year of Spheres. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we really started Spheres as an educational initiative. Um, it has a couple of different legs on the stool, if you will. Um, but several years ago when we were talking about this, we we were noticing and hearing that there was a big hunger in Charlotte for more education and more access to education around the arts. And so um, we came up with this concept that really offers a 360-degree look at um, the arts, and we put together ways to help feed that that hunger, if you will. And so um, the first part of it, that we, we launched it um, hosting an annual symposium or an annual um, panel event that brought together um, or brings together um, arts leaders from not only locally but from across the country um, to speak on, I guess, a um, relevant topic, um, something that's happening in the arts that's particularly compelling and, and worthy of, of more dialogue and conversation. And then the second piece, which Hillary has really spearheaded, and I don't know, Hillary, if you want to talk about the second leg of that stool. Um, well, we started an art history almost book club um, for um, for people interested in learning more about the arts, but the background to provide the context for the more contemporary issues that were happening. So once a month, we host a um, different art history lecture given by a different curator or professor in Charlotte. We really leverage our local talent, um, artists, professors, curators, arts leaders, um, and we choose a different location. So we try and move people around the city um, and try and get them into different arts institutions, organizations, um, locations that they're not necessarily comfortable with or don't know about. Um, so the goal is to to provide education for what we actually have in the city as well and give a little bit of art historical information that helps helps them understand contemporary art and the issues that we're talking about with our public lectures. So, so are they connected? The, the readings or the lectures connected to the discussions? Never. Um, <laughs> that would be a really great way to do it. But no, we have eight lectures um, every year that you subscribe to with a membership. Um, so you pay for all eight up front. Um, the money goes towards drinks and towards an honorarium for the speakers. Um, and um, they usually are your typical sort of looking at performance art, you know, um, uh, sort of the beginnings of performance art all the way up to maybe contemporary or something more niche like um, next month we'll be talking about um, uh, exhibition design at the Mint with the classic black new exhibition that came up and how they looked at the artwork that was coming in 
engaged Owl, who is a local muralist artist who's amazing, how they engaged her to really bring the the, the artwork to life. Um, So they can range on topics and not necessarily niche towards, you know, impressionist art from, you know, the 1800s, but rather give you a little bit of background as to what you're seeing um, and what you're enjoying. So in that way, maybe they do connect a little bit more than I thought. You know, before we talk about the um, the event that's coming up, the Angels to Anathema, I'm just curious um, h- how you think the arts and cultural life of Charlotte is right now. <laughs> I've been around here for a very long time, and it's been a, quite an evolution. Um, but, you know, I think I said to you, I'm in the Davidson bubble a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of curious, where, where do things stand in the arts community now? I think it's exciting. I'll just pipe that in and I'll let these two ladies, you know, follow up. But um, I moved with my family eight years ago here and it's a very different city than when even I moved here. And that's only eight years ago. You have places like Southern Tiger Collective and Goodyear Arts that are really championing local um, emerging talent. And then you've got bigger institutions, you know, looking to the community and bringing in a more diverse audience into their institutions, but also looking at exhibitions that will bring a national audience here and put Charlotte on the map, which I think is a really great kind of mix happening. Yeah, I moved here five years ago from Los Angeles to work at the Beckler Museum as the curator there. And what I found very interesting way I moved to Charlotte was that the real vibrant arts culture seemed to be outside of the major institutions, seemed to be outside of the Uptown City Center. Like most of the artists that I felt like were really committing to a creative practice and doing the most dynamic work, not just making art, but also curatorially. It was all happening outside of Uptown. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't usually see that in a city, it's usually the big institutions that are driving the audience and the and the art action. And what I've seen over the last four <laughs> years is that activity on the street level moving into the institutions. And so instead of it being a very top-down relationship, it's really sort of percolating at the base and then moving up. Um, into the institutions. And Do you think the institutions have kind of changed their um, their mindset and that's why that's happening now? Or, um, or are they just forcing their way up? <laughs> no, I mean, I can say from the Mint's perspective, which is, or I, actually I can say from the Beckler prese- um, perspective because I was the curator there and we didn't have a curatorial team. It was just me. Um, I was very much looking to what was being made in on the street and in those artist collectives and those other like alternative spaces and bringing them into the museum actively. Um, so I was looking to the outside to work it in. And the Mint is definitely doing that now. I mean, before I came here, that was an initiative. Um, so I do see Well, I can't, to answer your question directly, I don't know if it's um, 
where the incentive is coming from, but I certainly do think that I wasn't the only one to notice that the excitement was happening outside of the institutional mm. walls. Adam Justice, who was the contemporary curator at the Mint before I came on, um, he's now at UNC Charlotte. Um, he started the series called Constellation CLT specifically to bring in the local artists, people who were working in Charlotte, to show in the walkways of the Mint Museum uptown because he recognized the same thing that I did. And he had also recently moved to Charlotte from outside. And he saw it too, that there were all these dynamic makers in the city who the institutions would benefit from that injection of excitement and creative power and movement. Um, and I think that's why the second Spheres talk, we focused on the mural movement that was going on in Charlotte, because that was, we too were recognizing it through mm -hmm. a discussion, but, and through the panelists that we had on, they were all mural artists who were working as part of that first Talking Wall series that Southern Tiger did. Um, but yeah, that's been very interesting to me to see them now mm -hmm. kind of merging and benefiting from each other. There's a symbiotic relationship that you don't necessarily always see in cities. Mm -hmm. um, I've been here 17 years, so I've been, I think, here the longest. Um, and when I moved here at that time, there was nothing going on uptown. Um, I, I like to call it downtown, but I know that's it's here it's uptown. Center City. Um, Center City, <laughs> yes. And... Um, you know, I think for me, the, also it, having first come here as an observer of the arts and then becoming more actively engaged in the arts, um, it was, the arts were an afterthought when I moved here 17 years ago. It's like, yes, it's important, but we're going we're gonna to engage at sort of an arm's length and leave it, leave it at that. We know it's important to give. But, um, and I think you've seen this gigantic shift from that to a, a really authentic desire among our community to engage. And you see that, of course, with, I mean, the how many cities open up a brand new museum? Um, not very many. And, and now we have the Beckler and the Mint and the Gantt. Um, so two um, pretty significant um, art institutions opened up. Um, and so the Mint wasn't the only museum in town. Um, we have more galleries than we've ever had before. Um, we have more um, efforts like Goodyear Arts, which is similar to an artist residency program that the McCall Center has been known for for a long time, and um, Southern Tiger Collective, and all of these initiatives, because not only do we just have the the raw fact of a rapidly growing population here, but we also have um, more diversity than we've ever had before. We're a much more globalized community than we were 17 years ago. Um, and I used to joke with my colleague that e you either change or you die. We always, it was like one or the other, change or die. And I think that the city has responded in a really um, promising way um, in terms of the arts and what we have to do to keep um, not only the arts relevant, but keep our cultural um, our cultural community in the fabric alive. And otherwise, it's just going to tether away and, and eventually die. And so it's been encouraging and reassuring um, to see um, people who are stepping into sort of a leadership role to bring the arts to a new level. Um, and I think there's only more to come. I mean, I think we're at, honestly, I think we're at the very beginning of this. We're on the precipice of something really um, exciting and um, transformational for Charlotte as far as, the, as far as the arts are concerned. So that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. It'll take time, though. 
Rome wasn't built overnight, as they say. So. I think it's a lot of <laughs> um, female entrepreneurs, too. So I will absolutely put that in, that um, I get excited because a lot of the institutions and art galleries and um, art spaces are either driven by women or run from the top by women, and I, I find that exciting. Well, let's talk about the event that's coming up on um, February 26th, Angels to Anathema. This is a panel discussion mm -hmm. that is going to be, I guess, focused on the behavior of artists. And can you separate the art from the artist, if I got that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And what is institutions is our responsibility with that work and our culpability with the behavior. Okay. So... Jen, can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to do this particular discussion? Uh, well, it came out of a conversation that Hillary Neely and I had. I guess we meet pretty regularly just to talk about what's going on in the art world. Um, and one of the things that I think we're really trying to do now that we've at, been at it these four years is we're trying to use the art space as a place where we can have these uncomfortable conversations or these brave conversations. And um, I I do want to say that that's one of the things that's been in, impressive to me about the Charlotte art community, too, is that many of the arts institutions, particularly the Gantt um, and also the Mint and the Beckler um, and McCall and Goodyear Arts um, are very much having programming that addresses difficult topics and difficult subjects and um, use artwork and artists to allow for this safe space to have these uncomfortable conversations. Um, and so we've been pushing it through Sphere as well, looking for more of those topics. And I guess two years ago, we started talking about this because everyone was talking about it with the Me Too movement. Um, and the list of artists started increasing. Um, you know, could you do a Chuck Close show? Could you buy him for, you know, your institution um, with everything that was coming out? But this is something that I had personally been thinking about forever because I loved Roman Polanski when I was a kid. I loved his films. I loved Tessa the D'Urbervilles. I loved Macbeth. I loved all of those films. And when I was younger and I knew that he had that rape accusation, I easily can compartmentalize the work from the artist and what the artist did in their private life. And then when I became a professional, when I had a role in a museum, um, or maybe because I'm older, I don't know, there was, but something shifted and suddenly I started thinking about my culpability in an arts institution and what it means to buy the work by these artists, exhibit work by artists who have been accused and convicted or who have admitted to doing um, really horrible things um, and what my culpability was in that. And many people start talking about it. Um, and this was actually a conversation that I've had on and off with Emily Nussbaum, one of our panelists, um, for the last 25 years around how do you, in the arts and culture, how do you continue to allow the work, brilliant work in a lot of cases, by makers 
who have done really abominable things. What yeah. it's <laughs> it's it's so difficult. Yeah. To decide, especially now when we're talking about power protecting those and power protecting power. So you mentioned that Emily Nussbaum of The New Yorker is one of the panelists. Also, mm-hmm. you've got uh, John W. Love Jr. Mm-hmm. How did you choose those two? Emily was a <clears throat> no-brainer. Like, as soon as we started talking about this, I knew she would be the perfect panelist. I mean, she has she won a Pulitzer Prize for her writing at The New Yorker because she brings such a smart, incisive, and decisive critique to television, which I think we've underestimated for generations how much it informs who we are, how we live, how we see our culture and our fellow citizens and the citizens of the world. Um, And she's been thinking about this issue for so many decades. It's something that we've talked about at such great length that I knew she would be the perfect um, voice of authority for this conversation. Uh, And she's sensitive to it. Like, we don't want anyone to think they're going to come to the panel discussion and get answers or that we are, we know, like, we don't. Like, this is something we're wrestling with all the time. And I knew that she would, she would maintain that uncomfortable position on the teeter-totter. Like, she wouldn't need to feel like she's up or down. Like, she could stay balanced with the uncertainty of not having firm ground under her. And John W. Love Jr. He's the best. <laughs> I think it was, I mean, I'm sure you're about to say, I, we thought it was important to have an artist on the panel um, and an artist who can talk about um, what Jen just discussed um, from an artist's perspective. And, and what? And John is a Charlotte artist. Yes, he is. He's yes. been here for years. And he's extremely talented and he... Um, you and know. just give his plugs. Recent yeah. Guggenheim Fellow, yes. and was just awarded a Creative Capital grant. So um, is really achieving the national recognition mm-hmm. that he's long mm-hmm. deserved. And nearly always urged that we need to have an artist on the panel. Yeah, I mean, I think it's you know it's it's sort of the same idea as um, does it help the artist, the fellow artist who's not behaving badly? Does it hurt the fellow artist? Does it does it create a sort of different um, relationship um, as colleagues and as and you know um, friends of the artist. What do you do if if your you, your best friend was Bill Cosby? What do you do? So I think um, I think that he will offer a really interesting perspective um, that only an artist could give. And it's also where is that line between public and private, right? right? Mm-hmm. In this age of celebrity and and whatnot, and artists achieve that. So where where is where is the line? Where do people get to to see into? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And this is something that John in particular thinks about a great deal because so much of his artwork is based on character, like his character, his persona. Mm-hmm. Um, that he puts on um, in some of his artwork, but also um, like the collection of of salt calcified shoes that he's been making, like they're playing on the person who owned those shoes. And so this idea of a person of biography of author is something that's always close in his mind. Mm. Um, But he's also this... I mean, he really was the perfect artist for this, regardless of of location, because he's 
one of the artists I know that has the strongest balance between honesty, like trying to tell the truth as he feels it and perceives it, and being unafraid of expressing it regardless of how inappropriate or intimidating or um, or beyond the mores of the present society that we're living in. He, he, he tells it like it is. And we needed that level of, of perspicaciousness and also honesty on the panel. Um, so as, as a counterpoint to Emily's very sort of academic critical perspective, John was that in an artist's form. Mm-hmm. So just a, a question about format for the event. Do audience members get up and ask questions or offer perspectives? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go through the schedule. booked 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it quickly. starts at 6, um, cash bar. Uh, the <laughs> panel discussion will start at 6.30. It will run till 7.30 with a good hefty half hour allotted for Q&A because this is a discussion. This is not... We're not providing, as Jen said, answers. This is really subjective, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, and so we're hoping that it it it, um, ignites like a good discussion. And then at eight p.m., Emily Nussbaum she just published um, her most recent book. I like to watch, um, arguing my way through the TV revolution, and she'll be in the Mint Bookshop signing books at eight p.m. So you have a chance to meet her and talk with her and. And purchase her book if you if you um, so choose to. It sounds like it's going to be very interesting, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad that you all could come in and talk to us about this today. Um, my guests have been Neely Verano, co-founder of Laka Projects, Jennifer Sadul Edwards, chief curator at the Mint Museum, and Hillary Burt, professor of art history and arts leadership and administration at Queen's University and director at Soco Gallery. And they are the um, co-founders of the Sphere series. And uh, their event is February 26th. At the Mint Museum Uptown. At the Mint Museum Uptown. Yes. Don't go to Randolph. Go uptown. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. This has been really wonderful. Thanks for having us on. It's been great to have you here. Thank you. You've been listening to Piedmont Arts, and I'm Rachel Stewart.